0: So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/recommend today.
1: Jessica Benson is the host of the Jessica Benson Show with CJ Hurt at GrindCityMedia.com. She's also a host of the Grizzlies pre and post game shows, which you can hear right here on 92.9 FM ESPN. You can follow her on X at Jess Benson TV. Uh, Jess, we could start this real dreary and talk about all the injuries the Memphis Grizzlies just can't seem to get away from. Um, seem like another body drops every day. But first, first let's look, on a sunny note. How about old Fred Smith coming on through?
2: A day of celebration, yeah. Jason. Don't you feel like you should just go FedEx someone a gift for the holidays? Seems I kind of do. Time. I kind of do. I know. I kind of do. I use FedEx. I use FedEx every week. One of my clothing rental services uses FedEx. And I'm just next time I send it off, I'm just going to give it a little kiss and say thank you, FedEx, for your existence and your help in this matter.
1: I think that's an appropriate thing to do. Doesn't it feel like this is a nice little first step into everybody being on the same page and us looking one day at FedEx Forum, updated with beautiful renovations and Simmons Bank, both done the same thing? Everybody gets, gets what they want.
2: Oh, I can't wait for those. I am a sucker for renovation drawings and renderings mm. because they're always so fun to look at. But I think you nailed it with. It's a great first step, yep. right? Like, yep. And that's the thing. It's a huge step in the right direction, and that's something to be celebrated because it felt as if this stadium debacle was at a bit of a, a standstill, and it right. didn't feel like there was much movement going either way. And so seeing the comments made by... Jason Lexler, the president of the Grizzlies, publicly supporting this this morning. Uh, obviously, the comments from the University of Memphis are going to be in full support. Mayor Paul Young has now said he's in full support of this project. All of that is good news. And while there's still you know, work to be done, Grizzlies still have least lease to get done. The university has $50 million to raise. Paul Young might need to take a couple trips to Nashville to ask for some more money from the state. Yep. But ultimately, everyone gets to look at FedEx as as a helper. And that's what FedEx has been so many times. Like it's a, a beacon of success in the city, a Fortune 500 company, a company that was huge in the Grizzlies moving to Memphis in the first place. And that's what has turned this discussion of who deserves it more into more of a solution-based uh, way moving forward. And it's no secret how important the Grizzlies are to Memphis, and they are the entity that always could have the, the ability to leave. Do I think there has ever been a true threat of them up and leaving? No, but in comparison to a university that solely exists in Memphis, uh, the argument can certainly be made. And now you have at least a path moving forward where both entities feel as if they are being taken care of. And I think something that you know, isn't going to draw the biggest of headlines in the story but is of so much importance if it does ultimately get done is if the university gains control of the stadium like that's huge this city has a proud athletic department with goals of not getting left behind and a critical piece moving forward could be the university simply having control of the place where their football team plays its games and and that's just so big and you know university of memphis is so important to the city equally important in my eyes And having the opportunity for them to to see a win in this situation um, is just something that lets you feel a little good going into Thanksgiving. Well,
1: I'm glad you mentioned that because if it does get – we do get to a point – I know there's been a little bit of back and forth on this since the initial reporting. But if we do get to a point where the University of Memphis is in control of that stadium – that changes so much in terms of possibilities and opportunities for them, and we know what their ultimate quest is in terms of getting to a Power Five conference, all that kind of stuff. But but, uh, it, it, as it relates to the job that Mayor Jim Strickland has done and going out with a big ask, right, uh, uh, seeking the money from the state in the first place, if it gets to a point where also that this plan gets to a point where you're transferring over city control to Memphis – he's got to get a lot of, you know we, I, I know we give dr uh Dr Harrington a ton of credit for, you know for helping get the Grizzlies here that was during his tenure i mean if 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 Strick gets this done uh, and I know Paul young still got work to do still got to go back to the state but don't we have to give him a ton and a ton more if Memphis gets in a spot where it's got control of that stadium
2: oh absolutely and especially if Memphis gets to a spot where it's not ultimately left behind and whatever yeah. whatever the end game is for conference realignment and that has been a critical piece of the memphis athletic story for years now right. since the early flirtations with the big 12 to getting passed over time and time again to not being like an smu who can pay its way into the acc um it's now sitting in in the american and wants to hopefully be in a position where if there is a day where you know the country of college football breaks off into the the haves and, and the have-nots really are left behind Memphis can't be at risk of being one of those schools that gets left behind, and the stadium has been such a, a pivotal, you know, piece of that that bigger picture for them. And so, yes, you give uh, Mayor Jim Strickland and the relationships that he has fostered and worked through. I mean, it's a really tricky situation, and so that, in you know, concurrence with getting a really nice gift, the biggest gift in University of Memphis history uh, from Fred Smith and FedEx. I mean, there's a lot of accolades to go around if this, as it looks to be, going in the right direction. Exactly. Um, there's a lot of people who should be praised for making this happen in
1: Memphis. All right, what do we make of the Grizzlies' chances now with this news uh, in the wake of now after Marcus Smart's injury news? You know, we get the news on Kennard and Tillman uh, that they'll be out for an extended period of time. Um, chances of salvaging this in a way that's still enough wins over the next 12 uh, to, to, that when Ja comes back, you're not in so far a hole that you can't make the playoffs. How are you feeling right now, even though what body's down, I did make the point, you know, nice to see Santi step up and finally get some production. Where are you at just in terms of salvaging, you know, as much as you can out of these next 12?
2: Well, you're at the point where you're schedule watching and see other injuries pop up around the NBA and say, hmm, that might benefit the Grizzlies. I know Jaden McDaniels went down for the Minnesota Timberwolves last night, and he's been a critical piece of their defensive efforts, especially this season. I don't know. It's hard to feel overly confident, but the one thing you can rest on, and I guess it's more importantly two things you can rest on is there have been three players who have played in every game for the Grizzlies thus far this season. And they are David Roddy and no offense to David Roddy, but he's in a different category than Jaron Jackson jr. And Desmond Bain. And they have been, Awesome, And especially Desmond Bain has just been consistently the best number one option for this group, which he already knew he was going to have to be uh, with John Morant's absence. But that's just been highlighted further with all of the injuries around him. And so if he's on the court, you're at this point where he plays well enough. And if Jaron Jackson Jr. is right up there with him uh, playing well enough as a duo. They'll continue to compete and it does help having someone like Asante Aldama emerge and being utilized mostly out of necessity of filling, you know, that starting wing position, yep. but having the, even just having the creative ability to be like, hey, our power forward could get hot, could be a great you know, three point option for us. Oh look, he's gonna go make six threes. We shift him into that role and it allows the Grizzlies, as the case on Sunday night, to compete against the best team in the NBA. A lot of people looked at that Grizzlies Celtics game and assumed it would just be a blowout. Yep. Like the Celtics are gonna show up like that big old AAU team that shows up just looking bigger and better and fatter and stronger than, you know, the little scrappy team that comes in and can't do anything. And instead we got an idea of, you know, what it used to feel like for the the next man up mentality. Now the sustainability of that Uh, gets tricky when you look at, you know, a rivalry in the Grizzlies versus Dylan Brooks playing out tomorrow in Houston. You get the Suns. We'll see if, you know, finally seeing the big three perhaps with Beal and Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. And then you get the Timberwolves. And then you get the Jazz, a team that's gotten the best of you twice. And the Mavs, the Suns, the Mavs, the Rockets, the Rockets, the Thunder. And there's just not a lot of breathing room for the Grizzlies in this stretch of games as they continue these next 12 without Jaw. Um, but I don't think all hope is lost. And at least you looked at – the game against the Celtics and the second half against the Spurs, it looked like a competent basketball team, and yep. I'll take that. Like, it was a fun All team that. to watch for a game and a half.
1: Are you, you mentioned the matchup with Dylan Brooks in Houston. Tomorrow, are you expecting a, a, a nose-to-nose type confrontation between uh, him and – I'm guessing it's going to be Bain. Uh, it's got yes. to be
2: right?
1: Yes. because I'm going to tell you what I think. I think when right. Dylan looks at Desmond Bain, he says, that's, that's me, you in my spot. Right, this was a big three with me in it before you got here, before you got good, before you know they hit on you, and that's my spot, and that should be my money. So I got a feeling Dylan Brooks is going to try to take it to him, uh, particularly on Wednesday. What do you think?
2: I think you need to hope that Dylan Brooks wants to take it to the team offensively. Like that's the best. The best bet is that Dylan reverts to I don't know who Local this new best. Yes, yes, exactly. Who yes. this new like? Oh, I'm just distributing, only taking good shots, highest three-point percentage in the NBA. No, you want him to go back to trying to play hero ball and be the person who annihilates the Grizzlies. And to be fair to Dylan, like he, this is kind of a trio of matchups for him this week of his biggest rivals like he gets lebron and the lakers again and lebron james scored 30 plus he gets steph curry and the warriors and i get that draymond green uh the director of the dynasty starts after dylan brooks wasn't on the court uh but steph goes off for 30 plus now he gets the grizzlies and they're a wounded version of the grizzlies and desmond bain is the the best option out there i think he takes the defensive assignment incredibly seriously and it should Present some fun for people to watch on Wednesday, uh, but I think if you're Memphis, you just hope that Dylan goes in like something just triggers within his soul where he says, I, "I've yeah. got this. I'm going to put this team on my back," and that leads to the demise.
1: You, you mentioned Santi having to step up uh, out of necessity. How sustainable do you think what he's doing now in terms of level of, of play is? I realize opportunity could change as this team gets healthier. They start figuring things out, but just you know, twenty-eight, twelve, and six. Uh, and the last time we saw him out, I realized he had that three. He was frustrated by it, didn't hit against Boston. But it just feels like there's this chance for him to take that step up we all hope for. You know, FIBA, Santi, whatever you want to call him. How sustainable do you think it is from him?
2: Right. And and your hope is that I think some of that confidence gets fueled within him when he has the opportunity to start, right? Mm-hmm. Like here he's put into the starting lineup. Everyone has an ego in this world. It's no secret. And so you might perform a, a little bit more of a, an alpha mentality when you're inserted into that starting lineup. The hope for the Grizzlies down the road when, knock on wood, fingers crossed, health is a little more short up. Santi can be a great bench unit leader. Absolutely. And when you have that coming off the bench, then suddenly your depth isn't in question and you don't need him in the starting lineup. But he's an awesome you know, sixth or seventh man for you, along with bringing Luke Kennard back into that equation too. So I just think we've seen trickles of this from Santi. And now the the next step for him is stringing these games along consistently. And, you know, that, that very well could happen. This is his, third year and having the opportunity to have a little bit more authority. We saw it last year even, you know, in the necessity of him filling in for Jaron early in the season at the four when Jaron was injured last year. And so he has accepted these moments where more has been called upon him. I love the the trickery. I love the passes, but like maybe just shore up some of those and don't always try to shoot for the moon with the highlight reel and keep the ball uh, safe and sound.
1: Yep, We're talking with Jessica Benson of Grind City Media and the Memphis Grizzlies. All right, turning it now to the NBA at large, are you Boston's best team in the league or Denver's best team in the league, or is it somebody else in terms of that setting the standard for you right now? Uh,
2: Boston's been setting the standard for me since they had that game against the Sixers where they were down Jalen Brown, they were down Chris Porzingis, uh, and they still came out with a win, and that was ahead of their you know matchup that they would eventually have in Memphis. I, I saw a lot of Celtics reporters say that the game against Memphis and <laughs> isn't going to make Grizzlies fans feel particularly well, but that was the first time all season that the Celtics had played down to an opponent. Mm -hmm. um, And they have done a pretty good job of challenging. I will say they did it again last night where they lost to the Charlotte Hornets. So maybe dubbing them the definitive best team in the NBA uh, was a little premature. That's the fun of this part of the season when everyone's played less than 15 games. Um, But I think what the Nuggets have been able to... Get without Jamal Murray has been impressive. And at this point, uh, it's enough of a sample size that you can see true sustainability for them. You know, at 10 and 4, tied for first in the West right now, but they got a big win last night over the Pistons, despite Nikola Jokic getting ejected from that game in the second quarter. Another just dummy ejection for a star player. But to see how Reggie Jackson has really stepped up in Jamal Murray's absence, I think has been incredibly promising. Uh, for the Nuggets and, you know, between him and Kentavious Caldwell-Pope and Aaron Gordon. uh, They're working as a unit there. Christian Brown has been big for them off the bench, too. So I would put, you know, the Nuggets in the West and the Celtics in the East and everyone else kind of falling in line. But there's been really just really high-level basketball being played uh, between some of these teams. Like, I've been so impressed by the Minnesota Timberwolves, and I can't wait to see that game uh, with them in the building on Sunday.
1: Uh, Two college football questions for you, Jess. The first is... Uh, Memphis. Now you come off the loss to SMU. You're eight and three. Can still you got a chance to win ten games? For I believe it's just the fifth time in school history. Ha- has enough progress been made? Jess, is the way I guess I would frame that question. How should we be feeling about Memphis football in this place that it sits?
2: Uh, I think this is my least favorite question in Memphis sports at the moment, it's and it's just going. To, it, it's so hard because there's no. It's tough because there's no clear answer, right? Like, by all means, eight and three should feel good-ish. Um, it should. Listen, i It yep. should Team exactly, yep. but it, but it doesn't. And a, and a part of it is because of the competition level in the American and going into this year. You know, here you don't have to fight against the Houston, the Cincinnati's, the UCFs of the world anymore. This should be Memphis's conference to dominate. And they won't be a representative in the AAC championship game. And every time they have faced a team that is good, they have played just poorly enough to not get over the hump, be it SMU this past week, Mizzou, Tulane. Those are your three losses. And then you're able to come up with wins against the, you know, quote-unquote inferior teams that you're facing throughout the season. And so it creates this this level of just uh, the only thing worse than feeling really bad about your team is feeling agnostic about your team. And I feel like percent. that's where the Tigers are at, at this point. And so eventually you have to figure out, like, is the, is the team built as it is under Ryan Silverfield and what he's been doing? And I've made it perfectly clear, I, I love Coach Silverfield. I think he, you know, the outstanding coach and leader and has been in a position where um, it's been hard to take over a program that reached its, its highest heights under Mike Norbell and the year in the Cotton Bowl. And it will always feel like you're chasing uh, that kind of, like, fantastical success. Um, but ultimately Memphis wants to feel better than it does. They want to feel something. Yeah. And I, I'm I'm afraid that they feel nothing and that it's just a really pretty really bad place for the University of Memphis football team to be at right uh, now.
1: I could not agree more. It should be feeling more than what you're feeling now. There should it shouldn't it shouldn't be empty uh with a record like this. So uh, let me ask you this last one, uh, uh Saturday, eleven o'clock. Which side you lean Ohio State, uh Michigan in this uh this Big Ten battle?
2: Oh, I got to take begrudgingly Michigan. I'm so, they are not America's team. Nope. They are just Michigan dealing with a significant scandal, and this game will have all the eyeballs upon it. Uh, but I do think Michigan is a better built team at this point. Uh, I, obviously, the emotions will run very high for both sides. It should create great theater in the sport of college football. But I am really intrigued just from the standpoint of um, all these 11 and 0 teams still. You have, you know, five 11 and 0 teams. Uh, going into this weekend. Yep. And that's a really intriguing place for the college football playoff. And so Michigan-Ohio State will determine, assumingly, who could be the representative from the Big Ten there, but how things play out with Georgia and Washington and Florida State without Jordan Travis now, and then looking at teams lurking like in Oregon, at Texas, and Alabama – um, I'm very, very intrigued going into this weekend of college football, but the the biggest game is undoubtedly Ohio State, Michigan. It's going to be wild.
1: I so wish that Mike had Jordan Travis. I, I hated to see that situation. We we talked a little bit about it yesterday, and it just feels like. And Brad made the point this could probably get all figured out in the field. I, I've heard a lot of people picking Florida uh, this weekend. Maybe right. it does, but uh, you think ultimately when the dust settles, they're the one of the ones that's out.
2: I mean, that's uh, between Florida and. Louisville, who try as they might, Louisville somehow is still 10 and 1, despite nearly losing to Miami, despite nearly losing to Virginia. uh, They've had a lot of close calls this season, but it does feel as if Florida State still is built. And I I have been more down on Florida State this season than others. And I I mean, I don't know why I should be high up. Their running back's name is Trey Benson, like of relation. Just kidding. Uh, But I do think. For me personally, even looking at it, like, if I was a committee member, I could not in good faith keep Florida State out of the college football playoff if they went out just because they don't have Jordan Travis. Like, I know that 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 door is open for that to happen, but that just feels really icky to me. And so I think as long as they take care of business against Florida and against Louisville, by all means, they will be one of the four teams in the CFP.
1: That's it. I mean, if they take care of business, they should be there. Uh, No question about it. Jessica, you're always there for us, and we so appreciate it. Thanks, Jeff. Yes, she is Jessica Benson. Check her out weekday mornings on the Jessica Benson Show with C.J. Hurt, grindcitymedia.com. Follow her on Twitter at JessBensonTV. Thank you, Jessica. There's so much more uh, we've got to get to, including what the Pittsburgh Steelers have done. We talked about the big opportunity starting tomorrow for the Memphis Tigers. Grizzlies trying to get through this injury news and get to Houston tomorrow, so a lot more to break down. Fred Smith, thank you. We'll certainly revisit and reset that news. Fred Smith's $50 million donation to the facilities projects going on at FedEx. Well, this one is for Simmons Bank, but it unlocks. Oh, yeah. And unlocks both projects uh, in a way that certainly seems like... As just said, a great step forward into an amicable agreement between both parties. We'll talk about all that. Uh, then do the rundown at twelve Tris Crick coming up at one twenty five. Stay with us. You're listening to J and J nine two nine FM ESPN.
2: I'm Chelsea Messenger helping you beat the books with Feckwell. Minnesota and Golden State face off for the second time in three days as the Warriors host the Timberwolves. Minnesota won Sunday's match of one sixteen to one ten,
0: their sixth straight victory. The Warriors have now dropped three straight games. Despite Sunday's result, the backfield model like Golden State in a bounce back game. Their five star best bet is to take the Warriors over the Timberwolves on Tuesday night. Bet smarter and beat the books with Factual and download the BetMGM app today.
1: T Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours.